Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Mile High Green Cross. Remember to sign up for their loyalty program and you will receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. Along with me for this one is our beat writer, Patrick Lyons, and hopefully uh, many of you. We are live for this one on uh, Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, and the Twitch. So hopefully uh, you're you're following through one of those uh, different venues and you can get some questions or comments or really memories in here. That's what we're looking for today. Uh, we kind of started down this road several days ago when uh, MLB Network was first showing Game 163 and it famously got cut off by news from the Boston Red Sox. As I think uh, most of you were aware, uh, Game 163 in 2007 for the Rockies against the Padres was replayed yesterday uh, on a various formats and uh, in ways that allowed us to re-watch it, maybe not as collectively as we were all trying to the first time, uh, unfortunately. But I think I'd like to finish out that conversation. I want to get everything. You know, memories, where were you that day? Uh, what are your memories leading up to it or for that whole 2007 run? And I actually, because I've told him today, I, I want to start with our guy, Patrick, because you were not a, a Rockies fan at the time. You were not plugged into every single day Rockies baseball the way I was, you know, back in 2007. So I was very curious about your recollections of this game and of this whole 2007 Rockies team and, and the way, you know, for a lot of people, they just came out of nowhere at the end of the season. Yeah, for me. Coming from New Jersey, I had to slip it in there. Where was it? You set me up. <laughs> set me up for it. Yeah, the, so the, the Yankees were in the hunt. They were actually the wild card team uh, in the American League, and they're they're chasing the Boston Red Sox. And so, uh, of course, I was more wrapped up in that. But my, you know, initial thoughts at the time was, uh, you know, it was a lot like the Oakland A's, who went on to win twenty some games in a row who got hot, got into the playoffs, didn't go very far, but it was still very much like, you know, there's something going on there in Denver. You know, those that Rockies team, you know, I might not be able to, you know, uh, go through their their entire starting rotation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan, so I, I've always been able to kind of run through at least the, the top 15 to 20 players on just about every team. Uh, and while there might not have been, any superstars beyond Tulo, Helton, uh, and and Holiday, who were great superstars, and and of course Hop and, and Atkins were kind of that that next tier as far as the position players go. It it very much seemed like there was there was something brewing there in in Lodo. Didn't know it was called Lodo at the time. I just <laughs> knew Coors Field and my family that I had in Colorado. They were really enjoying what was going on there. And that the team had had captured something special, and and when you go on a run like that, or even you you start a run like that, that's really indicative of some of the clubhouse chemistry. It's indicative of, of the attitude and, and the general overall behaviors of, of a team, and, and just that that no quit, you know, thinking. And they had that going, and sure, it it all could have been washed away with one win by the Padres in Milwaukee 
on the final two games of the season, but it didn't. And, you, you know, they ran in in game 163. They, they ran into the, the San Diego, uh, rather the Padres ran into the Colorado Rockies and they were just a buzzsaw. And it was like, look out. And I couldn't have, couldn't have expected, you know, what would have happened in the playoffs after that, because frankly, you know, winning you're in and that's that's the only thing it's concerned about and it's a whole new season when you get into the playoffs and to think you're just going to run through you know the, the the Phillies and Diamondbacks like that and go 7 and 0 it's 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 unthinkable and then to get swept by the Red Sox so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's all over the place but the bottom line was you know no matter where you were in America at that time if you were a baseball fan you really had your eyes tuned into the Colorado Rockies because they were capturing something incredibly special that frankly doesn't come around that often that late in a season. Yeah. Do you like, did you sit down specifically to watch this game? Do you remember like making it an appointment being a big baseball fan or was it something you were kind of checking in on going, man, those guys are still going. Yeah, I, I definitely don't. I definitely didn't stay up that late because, again, with the two-hour time difference, you know, right. the game got started a lot closer to you know like nine o'clock uh, at that point. Or actually, no, it was it was an earlier game. They started at like five thirty, so it was seven thirty when it started. And um, you know, I was a school teacher at the time, so had to get up nice and early in the morning. So it was like, all right, well. ESPN will have it back when that was a thing Uh, (laughs) showing our age, talking about how ESPN boom, they had the content and the coverage. We'll find out to see if these Rockies are, are still alive. Also, you know, growing up on the East coast, the Philadelphia Phillies were, you know, a big deal and they were now the new kind of franchise to beat. I'd been going to a lot of Phillies games because I'm kind of equidistant between New York city and Philadelphia. So the, the Phillies at that time, they kind of became my team because as nice as it is to win, it's not nice to expect to win year in and year out. And mm-hmm. at that point, when you were a fan of the New York Yankees, it was, okay, let's just go ahead and sign every free agent. We'll sign Sabathia, AJ Burnett, Mark Teixeira, all in the same offseason. And it's like, well, if you don't even make it to the World Series, that's a disappointment. And then if you win it, well, yeah, you should have. Yeah. So it, it became really – it didn't become as, as enjoyable – you know, kind of pulling for the Yankees at that time. So I, I, I almost shifted my allegiance a little bit to the Phillies because they stunk in the early 2000s and, and much of the late 90s as well. And that was kind of fun. And all of the 70s and 80s. <laughs> and long before that as well. Yeah, they, they went, you know, a good 80 years before they even won their first friend, uh, first World Series in 1980. So, so they were kind of becoming the, the team and, and they had a lot of, you know, great young players as I'm sure we, we may get into. So they were, they had a little more excitement, a little more juice. They were kind of the underdogs. They were the up and comers. So uh, it, it seemed like, well, it, no matter what happens in game 163, there's a good chance that the Phillies are probably going to knock them out because 2007 is going to be the Phillies year. And of course we know it wasn't, it was their year in 2008. Right. defeating the Tampa Bay Rays at the time. And then in 2009, they went to the World Series again, uh, losing to the New York Yankees. And beating the Colorado Rockies uh, once more in the first round in a very close series that I still submit to this day, if we had instant replay, the Colorado Rockies would have won. Um, all the Houston Street-blown saves aside, 
the Phillies got quite a few very key calls in that series. Uh, I'd love to go back and do a rewatch of that. I was going to say, be careful of your uh, retroactive instant replay because we're probably going to be getting to uh, a certain replay uh, when talking about game 163. 100% in. Not at all. (laughs) There's zero chance. We could jump right there right now if you want. There is zero chance instant replay is overturning the call at the plate on Matt Holiday. There's not enough evidence there to overturn the call on the field. And beyond that, if they had instant replay in that game, Garrett Atkins' ball would have been ruled a home run and not a double a couple of innings earlier. So that's one people have tried to bring up before. Hey, if they had instant replay, Rocky, like, no, no. Now, I do think if Tim McClellan had called Matt Holiday out, though there, there was really no way to do that because he never got tagged by the baseball. So he, he, he never was – like, whether you think he touched home plate or not, Matt Holiday wasn't out because he was never touched with the baseball, I guess until maybe he went into the dugout. <laughs> Would he have been tagged out? Cause I know the ball kind of, you know, caromed off the catcher a little bit. Was it, was, I think that was Barrett at the time. I believe I so. Kind of caromed off. And if the pitcher was covering behind home plate and the umpire, you know, hadn't ruled anything, didn't say safe, didn't say out cause the play was still active. Would holiday have been able to crawl back to the plate at the time? I didn't see how far the ball squibbed away. I think he may have. I I, he would have had time, but he himself has said in interviews since there's no way he was going to do that. I, I don't know why he volunteered that information. Just tell us you would have gotten back to the plate, Matt. But he said he was so out of it yeah. that there was no way he was crawling back to home plate after that collision. So even though he may have had time, uh, he didn't have the ability. <laughs> no, no. He, he He barely had enough ability, I'm sure, to breathe while, you know, 40 of his teammates and coaches were – piling on top of him in celebration of of Jamie Carroll's big success uh, sacrifice fly there so yeah that that was so so interesting uh of a play and and it just will forever go down as one of those plays in in, in all-time baseball history of was he safe was he out you know we of course in this market that that's one of the all-time plays that that you think about that you can have discussions about you know, it's you know, it's it's one thing when um, you know Todd Todd Helton hits hits the the walk off homer to keep them alive. That's no doubt it, it went over the fence. Even if you played in a different ballpark, that's a home run. There's no dis- what discussion is there to have? But that's one of the beautiful things about baseball that you know when when you have instant replay and things of that nature, you do lose a little of that. But you know, regardless, a holiday. Did he touch home plate? Did he not? Game 163, Padres, Rockies. No matter where you are, Southern California or in Colorado, if you're a baseball fan, you know that play. And that is something you talk about. That is something you discuss about. When we get back to DNVR, the bar, those conversations are going to be going on almost on a nightly basis. Of Yeah, well, he hit cleat marks on his hand. That's evidence enough that he didn't get his hand in there. Well, wait a minute. If there were cleat marks on his hand, that means he slid it under and the and the cleat was on top of him. So yeah. it's that's one of the beautiful things about you know baseball is is the discussion, is the conversation. And again, no matter where you're at, this play goes down as one of the all-time memorable. Yeah, I, I almost wish it was more famous. And if it had to be because of the controversy, then then that's fine, too. I, I think, yeah, if this was a, a play that had happened between the Red Sox and Yankees, it, it would be a legend already. It would be something people talk about 
all the time. And of course, out here in our corner of the world, it is when Bud Black was hired as the manager of the Colorado Rockies. The very first question he got almost a full decade later. In fact, I think it was he hired just, yeah, he was hired just before the 17 season. So it would have been exactly a decade later. And the first question was, did Matt Holiday touch home plate? Now, how do you feel about being in Colorado? What do you think about this young pitching staff? <laughs> nice contract. <laughs> None of that. Did Matt Holiday touch home plate? And that's kind of how it should be. And he submits to this day that he did not, which I appreciate the competitor and Bud Black insisting. The other thing people forget is like it was a tie ball game with all that mess going on, even if he'd been ruled out. Um, I think Todd Helton would have made his way over to third base. He had been walked, something like that. So it's also not like if he's ruled out there, the Rockies lose the baseball game either. Uh, There was still an opportunity with a a base hit right after that to win it. Or would that have been the third out? No, that was – That's the second out. out. Oh, so okay, yeah. So, yeah, there was was plenty of time for the Rockies to still win. Holiday's out. That would have been a double play. You're right. The the fly fly ball that Giles catches – and then, all right, so then you're right. There would have been two outs. But, yeah, so you've still got an out to work with in that inning with a runner in scoring position. So, you know, we, we can play. I love playing the what-if game, and we should all day. We just got to remember all of it. That's all. And 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 that's kind of the – the that's a problem if you're having that conversation is, well, somebody else would have had the opportunity. You know, that, that game was – there was a lot of heavy lifting by the top of the Rockies order. Yeah. And, and the bottom just – wasn't gaining traction. You know, if you go one through five, you know, from Kazmatsui, Tulo, Holiday, Helton, Adkins, those guys were 11 for 26, including four walks. So wow, they, yeah. they, they did it all. And then if you go from six to the, to the bottom of the order, including all the pinch hitters, they were, uh, they were 12 for 28. So they, they, you know, not, not quite as much. Actually, I, I think those numbers are, or she was two for 28, excuse me. I was going to say 12 um, seems like yeah. two minutes. Yeah. 12 for 28, that's almost the exact same batting average. No, they were two for 28 and uh, with a couple of walks. And and they were that was mainly from Hopper. You know, he he ended yeah. up drawing three walks unto himself. So you and the only so the only hits you had were it was, was Tori Alba and Seth Smith, who came on as a pinch hitter. So that that bottom oh, wow. hadn't been been doing much of anything. There was nobody left on the bench. So even so, what likely would have happened was they would have uh, put Hop on on first base for his fourth walk of the game, and then you had Ortiz's spot in the order coming up with nobody else left on the bench. So we would have just kept playing. It would just would have been going on. I could have played and played and played. <clears throat> you know what I thought was really interesting along those lines, um, and I had a lot of issues in hindsight with the broadcast, which at the time I didn't notice because I was so nervous and into the game and just you know doing what I was doing. But of course, it was all the stuff I've grown very accustomed to over the years and the just everything about the Rockies like, well, they sure did, you know, get lucky at the right time. And boy, they sure have momentum. And yeah, they're not very good. But look, here they are. And boy, this ballpark sure is weird. But there was a lot that was made for the Padres about them not having Mike Cameron, which was legit. And then the Rockies had a couple of key hits that went to center field, making it more of a talking point because the Padres didn't have their starting center fielder in the game. Neither did the Colorado Rockies. Willie Tavares's name wasn't mentioned once. And, and I, I was just, I, I was kind of shocked by it. I was like, they keep, they brought up maybe seven times that the Padres didn't have their starting center fielder. 
And boy, things would probably be different for this team if they did. And I'm going the leadoff hitter and starting center fielder of the other team. And look, we love Spilly and Sully more than most people reasonably should. Uh, and those guys defensively, especially like down the stretch, but like they wouldn't have gotten to game 163 if Sully and Spilly hadn't done an extraordinary job that very few people expected them to do. Uh, but as Patrick just pointed out, the, the bottom of the lineup wasn't getting the job done in game 163. There wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for their defense to shine through. Willie Tavares very much could have been an X factor in that game as well. And he was when the Rockies finally brought him back for the NLCS, which was a controversial decision at the time. Yeah. Matt, Matt holiday late in the season, he had an oblique injury. So it, it very much was Spilly and Sully in center and in left field. And they, they had to do a lot of that. Cause as you said, you, you, after holiday went out, you had already, you know, missed some time with, with Tavares. So man, it was, it, it was rough and it was, it was more about the defense at that point than it was at, you know, in regards to the offense at the bottom of that lineup. So it was, uh, it, it was, it was a difficult time and, and, and it took, it took all, all 25 guys on that roster in the bench. And, you know, it's been said many other times that really it doesn't take 25 guys. It takes 40, it takes more than that, right? It takes if you have a guy that goes on a 60 day IL, somebody else has got to come up or last year we saw Mark Reynolds, Chris Iannetta, you know, essentially hit the end of their career. They're gone, and now two young guys need to come up and fill their spots. So it takes a lot more than that, and you saw that late in the season where, hey, Joe Koshanke, come on up. We need you for the 2007 postseason run. And, and right. there, were, there were a lot of guys like that, and they, you know, they, they might not have contributed statistically. You go back and look and say, yeah, oh, this guy, you know, he kind of just had a cup of coffee for a little bit, Koshanke in particular. But, you know, those guys are needed. Sometimes you, you need a, a competent body to be out there. And, and sometimes you, you run into one, too, and, and you make a, a big play. And Rocky's got that out of a lot of guys. It wasn't just Tulo, Holiday, and Helton. It was a lot of guys chipping in and, and, and bringing it all together to win those 21 games in 22. Yeah, and it really is like – uh, you know, all those guys did their part. So in these moments in a, in a game like game 163, the stars could could shine through. And they really did. Helton hits a big home run. Holiday drives in too low for the game tying run once they'd fallen behind. Of course, the announcers mentioning that your Victoria Alba's home run was a Coors Field home run. But Adrian Gonzalez's wasn't for some reason. Uh, it's just the weird stuff that, that people come up with. But, yeah, the stars really came through in that game. Uh, and then some of the, I, I feel like the um, role players who, who came through were mostly bullpen guys. Um, and it was th that way throughout a lot of the season. Now I had remembered particularly Ryan Spire, uh, but were there any of those middle relievers? The Rocky Rockies brought it away. It was Matt Hurgis, Taylor Buckholtz, Ryan Spire. Did you find yourself going, who, what? Well, Taylor Buckholtz came up in the Phillies organization. I saw him when he played for the okay. Blue Claws. So I was familiar with him. Of course he did. Uh, of course he did. Of course, course he did. I scouted him. I, had to, I got to scout low A, uh, South Atlantic League Baseball. and uh, But but her just was the guy who who jumped out. Um, you know, he, he had a, a very competent career as as a reliever. He he was interesting in this game because he was both like an, the un, unsung hero because he three shutout innings. I mean – yeah, all in the extra innings, ten through twelve inning. That's unbelievable. But he was also kind of the the catalyst for climax, 
because again, three goose eggs he put up, but he was in three separate jams, right? In the 10th inning, it was first and second with two outs because he had given up a, a single to Termel Sledge. How about that for a great name? Termel Sledge. Um, and and Termel Sledge. Yeah. In the 11th, it was even worse. It was first and second with only one out. Uh, and that was, and again, here's another piece that doesn't get talked about too much. Jamie Carroll, hey, game-winning RBI in the biggest game of essentially the the, the Rockies uh, franchise. Well, he very easily could have been the GOAT because he had a throwing error to lead off the inning. Scott Hairston uh, reached first base. And then, of course, they, they intentionally walked Adrian Gonzalez. So it's first and second with one out, right? Winning yeah. one in the 11th inning at second base, and all because Jamie Carroll comes in as a defensive replacement for Garrett Atkins. So that could have – that dialogue right there, all of that could have could have changed. And then in the 12th, uh, it's the same thing. Uh, he, he walks Morgan Ensberg to start the 12th inning. So – a lot of traffic on the bases for, for Matt Herges, uh, but at the end of the day, three shutout innings keeps it alive for the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, and um, fun si- uh, side note, uh, not so fun. Uh, Matt Herges is, to my recollection, the only member of the Colorado Rockies franchise ever to be known to have used PEDs. Um, to, to during the, the, the Mitchell report steroid errors. I know there have been a couple of guys who've been suspended one just last year, minor league players, but guys who've made the bigs, as far as I know, he's the only one while active with the Rockies or just, yes. Yeah. 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 I'm sure. Cause, cause they had Jason Giambi on the team after. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying while, while being a member of the Rockies, the only guy whose name's ever show up in a report or anything like that. Cause yeah, I mean, they've, they've brought in guys who've definitely, <laughs> been associated with heavily associated with at times um i'll tell you what the wait is finally over DraftKings is the official betting partner of dnvr and they are bringing legal sports betting to colorado well games 163 may not be the game you wanted to bet on necessarily there's going to be a lot of fun stuff to do here very soon so before you know it sports are going to be back and it's way more fun to watch when you've got skin in the game. The best way to get in on the action is with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Yes, it's that DraftKings. They've launched an online sportsbook uh, created by sports fans for sports fans. It's not an offshore operation like these other gambling sites. It's legitimate based right here in the U.S. You can be confident that your funds are secure. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever. You don't have to leave your house. And we don't have to wait too long before there are major sporting events to bet on, including the UFC returning to the Octagon this weekend. NASCAR is getting back out there. That's technically a sport. And so uh, there are future bets that can be made right now. I'm pretty sure baseball has several of these. There are free pool survivor bets on TV shows like Chopped and Shark Tank. And we're even going to be working on some customized DNVR lines for you guys. I'm sure we're going to have stuff about The Bachelor. We'll leave that up to RK. Um, We'll have all kinds of baseball stuff for you. Uh, One of the first things I I thought of when they said, uh, you know, we're going to, you guys are going to be able to come up with some of your custom lines was all the years we've, done like over under on the Rockies winning a game in Miami stuff like that you know where we know there's this weird special history to a thing 
So now you can yeah, make a bet on whether or not the Rockies can actually win a game in Miami, stuff like that, whether or not we can, we can do face-offs between two different guys. Hey, who's going to hit more home runs in, in 2020 or 2021? Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story. Who's going to have more extra base hits? David Dahl, Ryan McMahon. Who's going to finish higher in the, the MVP race? Is it going to be Charlie Blackman? Is it going to be Story, Arenado? There's numerous different possible combinations that you're going to be able to to place a bet on. And, and in the meantime, go in right now because you can place a free bet to win anywhere from $500 to $1,000 on what the weather and temperature is going to be like tomorrow in Colorado. Yes, that is a real awesome thing. It's a free bet thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget to enter code DNVR and get that sign-up bonus. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Uh, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you've got a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. So jumping back into the game and excellent work from Matt Hurgis, Taylor Buckholz, and of course, Ryan Spire. My favorite thing about Ryan Spire um, is that he was one of those relievers you just grabbed from AAA who was doing like, okay. And he came up and finished the year just absolutely crazy good for the Rockies. And he picked up the first save of his major league baseball career, I believe in the NLDS. Uh, It might've been in the NLCS, but it was definitely in the postseason. He had never picked up a, a save before <laughs> it was like man the rocky like you going back to your point of it's not just the 25 guys they counted on a good 35 to 40 dudes to get to the world series and win that national league pennant yeah it was the nlcs that that he recorded a save and you know he he only played parts of four years you know a total of, of 99 innings but dude as a member of the colorado rockies had a 3.99 era so that's that's impressive that's Something, a, I, I that's yeah. yeah. Uh, especially you know the the more relievers we look at over the years, you go, yeah, that's that's certainly better than average. Love this one from Tim Optics who said, "I wish there was an over under on how many real games the Rockies will play before Breidich gets fired." That's a thing we could create. Um, that that that's a thing we could look into, though. Uh, a lot of people, you, you might not want to vote with your hearts on that one. You might, <laughs> I'll say this, if you're looking for our analysis on which, which line you should take, probably the over, and I'm not even sure what the line is right now. <laughs> we have to figure that one out. Um, so yeah, jumping back into the, the game here and the rest of that season, um, I guess I'll tell a little bit of my story now since I, I've uh, skimmed over it a bit. Um so the, the big sort of umbrella of, of this game 163 for me is, and, and I've mentioned this before, and I won't get into the details on the podcast because one, it would be way too long. And two, it's just a bit much, uh, but I'll, I'll say a blanket. I was going through a very hard time, probably the most difficult time in my life ever. Um, almost certainly it, it was this uh, sort of few months in my life that happened to, take place when the Rockies were going 
on this run. And so I, I very much was using it as an escape all of September, you know, having three hours a day to go somewhere at, and, and not think about what was going on in my real life. And, you know, kind of as a part of all of this, when it, it appeared the Rockies were going to be doing what they were going to be doing, they had a big weekend series against the Diamondbacks right before this game 163. And my folks came into town uh, to visit me to check on me to make sure I was going to be okay and to go to some baseball games. And um, we went to, I'm going to try to remember this accurately without looking it up. My recollection is that they won the first and third game of the series and lost the middle one. And we didn't go to the middle one that they lost pitched by Jeff Francis. We went to the two that they won. The thing I do remember is that of course the final game of that series, which was the final game of the season, was an afternoon, probably a Sunday afternoon game. And before that was the Padres and Brewers. And we sat at sports column with my mother and father, and it was packed, obviously. And we watched the the final three, four innings of that game. And we watched Tony Gwynn Jr. get the hit off of Trevor Hoffman to make the game 163 even possible. Then we had to walk across the street and watch the Rockies actually win the game. They still had to go and they did. They thumped them. Uh, it was a runaway after the Diamondbacks with their one win in that series had clinched the division and celebrated on Coors field with games to play. And the Rockies came back got the much-needed win with the Diamondbacks clearly relaxing, went on to win Game 63, and, of course, would go on to sweep the Arizona Diamondbacks in the NLCS. Maybe wouldn't even have had a chance there if not for Tony Gwynn Jr., but also if the Diamondbacks had tried to come out and bury the Rockies like they should have. Yeah, the Rockies had won 11 games straight at that point when the Diamondbacks you know, came to town and the NL West was, was hanging in the balance. And, again, things kind of lined up really well for Arizona because they were going against Brandon Webb, who's a name that a lot of people may have never even heard of. And he was a stud at the time. He He's phenomenal. Uh, you know, he was the the, the Cy Young Award winner uh, in, in 2006, the previous year. He was the runner-up in the National League and Cy Young Award in 2007 behind Jake Peavy. So again, Rockies really had to earn that wild card berth. Yeah. Um, runner up in 2007, runner up 2008 and was just this this phenomenal pitcher. Just just absolutely phenomenal and ended up having shoulder uh, issues. Uh, he started on opening day in 2009 against the Rockies and he never pitched in the majors again. So think about that. No. 2006 Cy Young Award winner, 07 runner up, 08 runner up. One start in, in 2009. He was done. He was done. Yeah. He, he was a nightmare. He threw a sinker like a bowling ball. I know I'm not the only person to use that analogy, but it was for a team, too, that has all these hit the ball in the air, too low, Holiday, Helton. You know, Helton handled him. I, I feel a little bit better than others. But he was – I feared facing him back in the day more than anybody, more than Jake Peavy, more than – even the guys like the Phillies, that was kind of when the Phillies were putting together like the Roy Halladay. Maybe that came a little bit later, but Cliff Lee, um, that whole rotation, those guys did not scare me 
when I saw Brandon Webb on the schedule, I went, no more than two runs today, boys. No more than two. Got to make them count. Got to pitch good. Got to play defense. And I remember in that game, I think the Diamondbacks scored early on a little squibber up the middle against Jeff Francis, who'd been hot. I went, eee. I don't know that we're going to get this one. And they didn't. Yeah. That's the one they lost. Yeah, and to be fair, Colorado was able to to eke out two runs against Webb. So when he came out of the game uh, in, in in the eighth inning, it was it you know it was, it was still four it was four two uh, uh, Diamondbacks at that point. But you know you 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 got to like the the fact that you were able to kind of get past him to get into the bullpen. But again, at that point, uh, Jose Valverde is a name that a lot of people hey remember, or remember him. You know, uh, uh, later in his career. Uh, he's a more rotund uh, relief pitcher, kind of uh, uh, the Latin version of, of David Wells, I think, in a lot of ways. But Jose Valverde was – he was a beast. He was, he was one of the top closers in the game at that time. And, again, whether you're, you're winning 11 games in a row or not, it, it, those teams – or those two guys in particular, they were a force to be reckoned with against Arizona. And, you know, you, their, their win streaks could have been ended in San Diego, right, because – they won three straight at, at Petco and the Padres were, were riding a seven game win streak and Rockies were only at five at that point. And, right. and, and that was kind of the first uh, chink in the armor, the, the first opportunity for them to show, Hey, we can beat PV because they were able to, to get past PV somewhat uh, effectively uh, in, in one of those games right. uh, through seven. And it was the 14 inning game uh, that they, they ended up winning and, because they were they were in third place, like that's what's you know seemingly improbable. The the winning twenty one out of twenty two games, you know seven of, of the back, uh, the back third of those twenty one games were in the playoffs. Uh, that that's not taking anything away from it. It's just the simple fact that they had to win fourteen out of fifteen to get into the playoffs to get them. with some luck, right? Because they were four games over five hundred at that point. Not bad. Hey, that's that's a good ball club. But on September 15th, they were 76 and 72, third place, behind two teams at the top of their division with first in, in, in the NL Cy Young, second in the Cy Young voting, and they were able to almost win the division at that point. And that's it's just so improbable, and, and, and it, it really – it really was only that locker room that believed in them to do it. I mean, I th- I'm sure there are plenty of fans that, you know, I believed, Hey, these guys can do it. But it was like, if they didn't, you wouldn't have been shocked. And, and even though they did, you were shocked because nobody wins 14 out of 15 in a season. You just don't, you don't do that. And you don't get the help that you get from the other teams. It's as you mentioned, Tony Gwynn, getting that, that walk-off hit against his former babysitter in Trevor Hoffman, right? His, his dad was teammates, Tony Gwynn and, and Trevor Hoffman. They were there 1-2 one, one, uh, as far as the all-time players in Padres history. And, and mm-hmm. who's the guy to do it? Tony Gwynn. And it's, it's so interesting because a very similar scenario happened this year when the Rockies swept the Brewers and they were unable to win the and, yep. and, and topple the, the St. Louis Cardinals. So um, the, the other interesting thing, too, that I, that I um, had found out when I went back to look at this game, and this was kind of mind-blowing. So you, you talk about how helpful the Brewers were in, in winning those two games. And the Brewers, you know, they, they were out of it. They were, they were an over-500 team 
but you know, they, they could have hung it up, but they understood what was on the line and that people were going to be watching their game too, all across the United States, whether, whether you were an, NL, an AL East fan, you know, kind of, kind of like myself or my father was uh, undoubtedly a, a diehard Yankees fan. You were going to tune in to see who's going to win that matchup. And here's, what's crazy about that game in the final game of the season, Prince Fielder, another blast from the past, whose career unfortunately ended early due to injuries. Prince Fielder had 18 career stolen bases. He stole two in that game. Let me repeat myself. I didn't remember that. Those were his only stolen bases of the entire 2007 season. He stole second base twice. More than 10% of his career stolen bases came in a game that meant Absolutely nothing to his team, but absolutely everything to the team in the other dugout. See, I knew Prince Fielder was a Hall of Famer. I knew that guy was a Hall of Famer. <clears throat> That's amazing. Uh, that that one I didn't know. There, we should do at some point a top ten list of the most improbable or most amazing or most whatevery things of this whole run. Because you had mentioned, in fact, Will Will's got here the guy that handled Brandon Webb appears to have been Brad Hop. With a career one two four six OPS against him, uh, you had mentioned that series out there in San Diego in the fourteen inning game, and Brad Hop. So there's one thing that can maybe go on the list. Uh, Brad Hop hitting an inside out golf shot opposite field home run in the fourteenth inning in San Diego in the Marine Layer to win that game. <laughs> probably makes the top 10, but it might not make the top five. Like, cause if we're talking, cause the top five is going to be things like Tony Gwynn's hit uh, the slide at home plate, you know, all those kinds of things. But I, I don't know where else, you know, the, the, Oh, Takeshi Saito had not blown a save all season until Todd Helton got him on that, that home run the the game that really started the whole thing that we talked about Corey Sullivan with that's probably in the top five the Dodgers class of the division the uh, closer on the mound who hasn't blown a save these guys are a powerhouse and the Rockies go out there and yeah Saito had a 1.40 ERA for that season. <laughs> and if yeah. you take out if you take out that appearance where he he gave up those two runs I mean his, his ERA is even lower than that he yeah. finished. He finished eighth in the Cy Young Award voting, uh, was actually the second best reliever as far as uh, votes go for the Cy Young Award after Billy Wagner. But the dude was, yeah, he was he was absolutely shut down. He was a beast. And it was in Los Angeles, too, on top of all of that. Now, that game was in Denver. The one that got the, the one that that Helton got him was in Denver. But. They got. They 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 did get them in LA a couple of times. And Will Will brings up another great one. Uh the Garrett Atkins hitting an inside the park home run uh the day after. That might be the most unlikely thing of all the things that happened during this stretch. With the Rockies got a big rally out of Garrett Atkins hitting an inside the park home run. LJ Maximo, of course, bringing up Jamie Carroll. Just yeah, you could even break down that final play into little pieces of it that were the most unlikely, not just Matt Holiday's slide, but of course, Jamie Carroll uh, having the most important and exciting RBI in franchise history. Um, the most exciting out. In out. Franchise history. <laughs> you know, that was such a, an interesting play because 
you know, the Giles was positioned perfectly. And, you know, even though he, he caught the ball over his head, which, you know, certainly, you know, wasn't ideal, his momentum was moving forward. So yeah. it was it was virtually improbable for Holiday to have gotten home at that point. But as as we talked about earlier in this episode, everyone in the lineup, you know, following that, you know, it, it was it was going to be a hard luck story, and you'd have the pitcher spot coming up with nobody left on the bench. So Holiday's like, this is going to be our best shot. It might be fifty fifty, but if I if I stay here on third base, maybe our odds of winning this is now twenty five seventy five. At least at least in that moment, right? Anything, anything can happen beyond that. But if you've got a fifty fifty shot to win it in 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 one play, you got it. You got to put on the defense at that point. And and that's what Jamie Carroll did. He he went the other way. He he knew which guy to, to, to hit it to and and the rest is history. Rest is history. Hey, if you want to make history, uh, well, you gotta find a way to beat our guy Patrick at WGT golf because I'm telling you, he now I am terrible at this. So I don't know, I'm mediocre. I'm in the media. If you can beat me, you belong. If you can beat Patrick, you are a king of the WGT golf course it is the most popular free golf game in the world it's played by over 20 million people you can play on a bunch of cool real world famous golf courses including pebble beach beth page black and saint andrews compete in head-to-head tournaments with players and dnvr community members from around the world in real time we're always in there playing chat and you can challenge us to stuff we've got a tournament going on on sunday uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Patrick is going to embarrass most of us. But make sure you, if you think you can take him out, come take him out. We need somebody. We need a champion of the people uh, <laughs> to, to make sure you get in here and show them how it's done. Uh, make sure that you join the DNVR Clubhouse. Uh, nope, that's not what it's called. Country Club. Brandon Spano and I keep wanting to call it the Clubhouse, but it is the DNVR Country Club. Uh, it's a free app. It's a super fun game, whether you want to dive into it and try to become a pro or you just want to knock the golf ball around a little bit, uh, tap on your phone, pass the time looking at some pretty scenery. And, and Hey, those of you who were listening and watching the live chat probably remember this is the part where my feed totally cut out. And that's actually OK, because Patrick and I did go on for quite a bit longer. We had a lot more to talk about here and we needed to break this one up into two parts. So to finish the thought I was on just a moment ago there, uh, check out your WGT, come have some fun with us on Sundays or really anytime. Hit us up in the lounge, the discord, let us know that you'd like to play a little WGT and you'll almost always be able to find someone on the DNVR staff who would be more than happy to play a little closest to the hole or, or do a three or six hole matchup. It's just always fun. And it can be either super challenging or super relaxing, whichever you prefer for it to be. So thank you so much for listening into this episode. Keep your eyes out for part two, where Patrick and I wrap all of this up. In the meantime, just make sure you're following everything on social media. Subscribe to the DNVR.com. You got your hat or your shirt, that swag that you need from DNVR and you're supporting all of our sponsors during this time if it is within your means because helping them out not only helps them get through all of this it also helps us get through all of this so thank you all so much for drinking Breck Brew uh, heading over to Mile High Green Cross uh, using those promo codes manscaping all the good stuff 
Checking out now the DraftKings Sportsbook, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. The WGT Golf, all of it. It really does help us out. It helps them out. It helps you out because those are all fantastic uh, products just to have in your life or things you can do. Uh, drinking the Strava Craft Coffee just helps you out, man. Just helps you out. So all I can say then otherwise is thank you. And I hope you all continue to be absolutely awesome. I will, of course, continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.